0: This podcast is brought to you by Lacrosse All-Stars. Growing the game, one podcast at a time. Hey everybody, welcome to the Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Ivole. The Game Changer Lacrosse Podcast is about talking to people who have dedicated their life to the game of lacrosse and learning about who they are how they got to where they are today, and what they do to improve themselves and their teams. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at GC Sports. and if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a travel or club team, check out Game Changer Team Manager in the App Store. It's the essential all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents. Unlike other team apps, Game Changer Team Manager is free, easy to use, and doesn't serve ads. You can learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager. Today on the show, we have the head coach of UMBC men's lacrosse, Coach Ryan Moran. Coach Moran is on his second season as the head coach of UMBC. He started off his coaching career at Navy Prep. From there, he moved on to his alma mater as the offensive coordinator at Maryland. His offense averaged 11 goals per game over a six-year period. His next move was to Loyola, where in 2016, his offense averaged 12 goals a game. In June of 2016, he took over at UMBC for Coach Zimmerman after 23 years. I spoke with Coach Moran two days before their victory over an undefeated and number one ranked Albany. During our call, we talked about how he handled coaching the Navy prep team by himself, what he learned his first few years at Maryland, and how he's approaching his new challenge at UMBC, Here's my interview with Coach Moran. Coach Moran, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm excited uh, to catch up. It's been way too long, but um, so let's get started. How would you get started playing lacrosse? Um, it's pretty easy for me, obviously. Uh, I mean, not obviously, but I had my dad coaches
1: lacrosse at Chaminade High School, and I had two older brothers, and, uh, you know, I'd always just end up going to games, and uh, I'd get a stick and, you know, I'd be there and just start playing from a, a pretty young age, uh, just because it was kind of what was in my family. And, and also growing up on the island, that's what uh, most kids play during the spring. Uh, right. So yeah, it wasn't, wasn't too tough to get started playing.
0: <laughs> right, right. Do you remember how old you were when you first started? Uh, must've been
1: somewhere around the, you know, second grade mark. They used to have like clinics and stuff and you'd get to go to. And I remember like PAL, mass people PAL wouldn't start up until like third grade. And my brothers were in it and I was, you know, itching to try and get in it as well, start getting an official leagues. But, uh, you know, probably around second grade,
0: uh, started putting a stick in my hand. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, as you started playing, who were the people that, um, that you looked looked up to? Well,
1: growing up in uh, Massapequa, as much as it teens me to say this, because he's a St. Anthony's alum, uh, Brian <laughs> Langtree was just unbelievable. Right. I mean, I he was like so. I'd always go to the Chaminade St. Anthony's games, and uh, like for you know, the better part of it, I can remember, Chaminade would win, and then they you know started splitting. But when they started winning, Anthony started winning. Brian Langtree was there, and he was just unbelievable like you right. just stood out and um you know obviously ended up going on having a tremendous college career and, and one of the best american box players and obviously a great right. career but um he was someone that i always watched and just like wow he's really good
0: yeah yeah you know so uh brian had uh brian had a brother kevin who um is, is the same age as me and uh it was the same thing for me he was uh, I, I thought he was so underrated right i mean he he, he played for hops yeah But was uh, at one point, I think he was leading the nation in scoring or maybe led the nation in scoring while I was at Hofstra. But uh, yeah, he was he was unbelievable. And I got to play with him one game uh, in uh, I think one game in Denver and one game in Long Island. But um, Brian is uh, a great player on the field and a character on and off the field. Uh, <laughs> what you see is what you get with him. Right. So that's I mean, true. he's
1: played played so hard too. I mean, right. on top of that being, it's like a tough mix of of being super tough and skilled. And uh, you know, very you know, he definitely was able to do both really well. Right, sure. right. That's for sure. That's for
0: sure. So, uh, so as you were growing up, um, talk about uh, what were some of the things that you did as a player. Uh, you know, especially since you got two older brothers and your dad's a coach. What were some of the things that you did um, to get better? you, know, you kind of hit on it there, I just you know i just I played with my brothers in the backyard a lot,
1: you know mm-hmm. going you know, and that's you know throwing the ball off the roof, and you know we um we had a cage in our backyard, and then the cage broke, and you know me and my brothers we actually just you know made one out of the branches that we had like we just found ways to have fun and play lacrosse and have the right. stick in our hand and um you know I was very fortunate you know with my dad being a coach to be able to go to lots of different camps too, and that was a way that he uh, made money during the summer. Um, and I got to like tag along a lot of times and just be able to go to camp and, uh, cause my dad was working. So, right. you know, just looking for opportunities to play and, and you know, and looking for opportunities to have fun with it. You know, mm-hmm. at, at the first, before it got a little bit more serious in high school and college, you know, I, I, it was just such a fun sport to play. And I, I just loved being able to play with my brothers too. You know, right. it was a great thing.
0: Right. Right. So, so what were some of the things that you guys would, uh, you guys would do in the backyard? We would have like a best of 10 contest, and they would
1: make me a goalie, and I, and I wasn't too bad, and I got to shoot every once in a while, too. Right. So we had this like little alcove to the side, um, and uh, we had to have a chimney, and then we'd have the cage, which was probably about 10 yards away, and you had to take shots from behind the chimney.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, you'd be in net, and you know, get 10 crank shots on each other, and whoever had the best, you know. Right, it was you know like six for ten or whatever, and I always remember that that was pretty fun. Right,
0: how uh, didn't want to uh, didn't want to step in goal on the field.
1: I was fine in goal when, they, because we only, we were only allowed to use tennis balls too. Which oh, gotcha. I don't know if it, I think it actually helped at a younger age, not even knowing it, but we only use tennis balls because we didn't want to break any windows or anything like that. My mom wouldn't let me in and the real balls would break the uh, shingles on the roof pretty easily.
0: Right. So gotcha. we used
1: tennis balls. So when it was tennis balls, I wasn't afraid, but uh, I, I definitely wouldn't want to stay in front of there with the real balls in the head. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. That's for sure. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, as you're, as you're getting older, you're heading into high school. Was there any doubt that, uh, uh, you were going to go, um, to Chaminade? Um, it it was a school that, you know, I just grew up watching
1: and, uh, you know, going to camp having, you know, some of those, those guys that were just counselors, you know, you kind of looked up to them a lot. So it was just kind of a natural fit that that's where I wanted to go. Right. Um, and so it, it was easy for me, to be honest. I, I think some kids, uh, you know, pick in high schools or stay public or stay private. For me, it was, it was just a school that I, I went to so often. It wasn't like anything new. It was just kind of like at a young age, I was just waiting to go there. I didn't
0: really know I had any other options. Right, right. But in my head, I didn't really want any other options either. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, what were some of the things that you did as a high school player um, to stand out, uh, to get noticed by college coaches? You know, it's it's changed a lot.
1: My job's a lot different right. than
0: what I think college coaches' jobs were
1: um, back in nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight. Um, you know, I think for us, you would agree with me. If you're able to make that empire team, you kind of, right, were pretty much going to get recruited by some pretty decent schools. So, um, you know, that and 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 you know, obviously playing in the the varsity games and stuff like that, coaches would go to. Um, but I think it was a goal of mine for sure to try and make that Empire team. I think uh, I, that's something that I'm really sad isn't on a, isn't in New York anymore because right. I thought those games were just so much fun. Yeah. I mean it was such a great experience to be able to to play against some of those players from all those different areas, and then just uh, you know they had all the different sports there too. So I, I think you know getting on that team really helped uh, in terms of
0: getting noticed. Right. Um, so. Did you do? Um, did you do any of like the highlight reels or, or anything like that, or was it mostly? Um, you know, you made empires, and then it was basically all set up from there. I think it was. You kind of hit it
1: there. I think once you made it, and then you were able to kind of play in those empire games. I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember almost like every college coach was there in, in right. July up in Rochester. And uh, as long as you know, I remember. Talking to my dad and there, and and his best advice to me was: as long as you just play hard, you're going to catch the eye of someone. You know, you know, whether you score goals or assists, doesn't really matter. But I think uh, that was the one thing I kind of took into it with that team because there were just so many skilled players on there. Um, You know, I just figured I don't know if I'm going to separate myself skill wise. Right. Um, from some from an Adam Doniger, but maybe if I hustle okay. hard and play wings and play some defense, I can get noticed that way.
0: Right, right, right. And then uh, so what what led to you um, landing on Maryland?
1: You know, it, it, again, it just a different recruiting world back then. You know, you had the official <laughs> visits and. Um, Believe it or not, I visited a lot of, I visited, um, three Ivy league schools. I visited UMass cause my dad was an alum at UMass and also because right. coach Canelo was great. I loved him on the phone. And, yeah, And then I, I also visited Maryland mm-hmm. and, um, to be honest, I just I kind of like the kids on the team at Maryland a, little, like, a lot. I love the kids at UMass, too. Um, but at the end, I kind of figured, well, go south. And I like the kids up on both sides, but I can go south. Um, and maybe it's a little warmer. It's it's amazing kind of what the differences are in your head when you're picking schools when you're 17. <laughs> right. um, but, right. you know, and I, but I think at the end of the day, the biggest decision for me or deciding factor for me um, was just where did I feel most comfortable? And there mm-hmm. was... A shamanite kid that was in the freshman class. They had a couple other different Long Island kids. And on the visit, I just kind of felt pretty comfortable there. And um, I was happy they, were, they said they'd you know, let me be on the team.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so when you actually got there um, that first year, uh, and I, I love asking this question because I feel like it's helpful for kids who are um, you know, either in their first year or uh, going into their first year. Um, did you feel like it was a fit right away at Maryland? Um, I don't know if
1: I'd say right away, you know, cause you go in and you go from being pretty good at the high school level to, uh, I pretty much was thinking to myself a couple of times that fall, um, that I'm easily the worst player on the team right now.
0: <laughs> and, you know, you right. kind
1: of just, it's a little bit different. Um, so that, that, you know, the, the stress you put on yourself from an athletic standpoint, Because you're not having success the way you used to be able to have success, I think kind of spilled over to just some timidness and and some uncomfortability and everything else. Um, And, and, you know, being away from home for the first time. So I wouldn't say, you know, right away it, it felt great. Mm-hmm. I, I still like the kids. You know, I think it took me to have a little bit some success and a little bit of comfortability and find my way academically before I really um, started loving the school. And that was probably more probably like spring of my freshman year, going into fall of my sophomore
0: year. Right, right. So what what did you do if you if you can recall what what did you do to sort of get over that hump, right? Where um, you know I, you're you're having uh, I guess for lack of a better term you're having you know confidence issues, sort of d- doubting yourself. What do you do to um, overcome that?
1: Well, I, I, I would, uh you, you, think, yeah, you know, the people you trust the most and the people you love. I mean, I've had a lot of conversations with my dad. My dad said something to me that I, I kind of remember, and I say to all the freshmen on the team right now, you know, the cream will rise to the top, you know. And, um, you know, I think it was a tremendous uh, experience for me of having to handle some adversity and, and figure out how I'm going to get what I want. You know, and I think it makes you reevaluate what you're doing and say, okay, am I, am I sacrificing enough here to get out of this what I want to get out of it? Right. Uh, and for me, I probably wasn't practicing on my own enough and I wasn't probably intentional enough in my practicing, hmm. you know, and um, I needed to develop some, some, I needed to develop myself in some different areas. And, um, you know, I, I and I felt like, you know, I tried my best to do that.
0: Yeah. Can you, can you uh, talk a little bit about what you mean by uh, being intentional in your practice?
1: Yeah. You know, like, you know, I, I in high school, I would, practice just going left to right. And it was pretty easy. Cause I think at least at that age, like I could run by most people. Um, and then, you know, all of a sudden you get to college and you have a tough time running by people and then they're not even giving you your right hand. Uh, all right. You know, so you got to develop, you gotta, you gotta look at what are your weaknesses and try and attack those weaknesses and turn them into strengths. So I needed to develop my stick work. I need to develop my shooting with my <coughs> off hand. I need to, you know, I need to watch more film to get a better understanding of, off-ball play because I'd just been so used to just playing with the ball, Um, you know. So there were just things that I had to be honest with myself about that I needed to get better at instead of ignoring it, you know. And I think a lot of kids will go out and practice and take 100 righty shots from the righty wing and they're a righty player. Um, But meanwhile, I mean, that's probably something you do maybe 5% of a game, catching, throwing with both hands, scooping. You know, those are the things that are the blocking and tackling of lacrosse, and sometimes we just choose to ignore important things and practicing the important things because they're maybe not as exciting
0: <laughs> right right yeah for yeah. sure for sure so uh so you know as you're as you're sort of going through this did um uh did you tell any of the coaches on the team that um uh you know maybe you were you were struggling a little bit
1: not really not at not really. all you know yeah. I kind of just <laughs> You know, at the time uh, I was, you know, looking at, and 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 I and I, I, th- I think I still look at it It was a tremendous privilege to be allowed to be on that team and to be a participant in that team and I, I didn't really want to put anything forward that would come give the the like idea that I'm complaining or unhappy. You know, I I just I just, right. just kind of had to figure it out. You know, um, right. and the coaches were were just tremendous. though. I mean, they were they were great motivators, they're great mentors, um, they took care of us too. Um, mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, I didn't, but I probably didn't verbalize it really at all. Um, right. That's for sure.
0: Do you, uh, I mean, looking back on it, do you, uh, do you think that you maybe should have, or, uh, were you happy with the, with the path that he took? I'm happy with
1: the path. You know, I, I think yeah. a lot of times, you know, um, there are certain situations where you definitely need to be able to ask for help in your life. And I think there's other times where you got to kind of look for, you know, got to look inside a little bit more to try and figure it out on your own. And, right. and I think that's a great experience about college. And I think that's a great experience about college athletics. Like it's, it's for very few of us, it's, it's not going to be easy. You're, you're definitely not right. going to get what you want. And when you get it, it's very seldomly on your terms. And then right. that's kind of a good uh, parlay into kind of how life is too. And yeah. I think it's, it, you know, the situations like that where you can kind of rely on yourself to pull yourself together and get out of
0: any type of adversity is going to help you moving forward. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So I do, um, you know, I I mostly want to focus, uh, you know, on your, uh, on your coaching career, but final question about, um, Mm -hmm. your, uh, college, your time at college, uh, looking back, if you could, if you can do one thing differently, um, while you are at school, while you are at Maryland, um, is there anything, what, what would that be if anything? (laughs) <laughs> I think I would, to be honest with you, I talk about this with my team too. And
1: I, you know, I, uh, I use the, the term teammates and friends. And, and I think I was probably a really good friend to a lot of the kids on my team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was nice, you know, humble. I, I think I was pretty well respected by everyone. I treated everyone with respect, mm-hmm. but in terms of a team being a good teammate and holding my teammates accountable and trying to, you know, really hold the teammates accountable to have a, a, a culture where we're completely bought in with everyone, I, I probably could have done a better job with right. that. And, and g- again, having the, the foresight of being in the profession that I'm in right now <laughs> and having a chance to see 13 different division one teams over the last three years in my coaching and kind of see some of those common mistakes. Like it was just stuff I didn't even realize I was doing. I thought I was right at the time, but right. you know, if I could have probably done it, if I could do something different, I probably would have maybe tried to call some of my teammates out, trying to get on board a little bit more, you know, right. uh, demand them to work a little bit harder, demand them to sacrifice a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, And I probably would have tried to do a little bit – I would have uh, tried to sacrifice and demand more myself.
0: Right, right, right. Uh, So um, can can you – uh, I mean, I guess I, I don't want you to get too specific, like, you know, naming names or anything like that. But can you uh, can you think of uh, can you be a little bit more specific about, um, you know, maybe one instance, like just to give an example of what you mean? Because I, I, I know exactly what you mean. And, and, and it's something that I think about, too. And I just want to uh, want to maybe more clearly make that point to people who are listening.
1: Yeah, you know, we'd have like optional morning agilities, you know, on a Tuesday and Thursday. My buddy Willie would go to all of them and I would occasionally go with them. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, but if I was a good teammate, I would have went to all of them and I would have made kids on my team that are struggling dodging or struggling running by people go right. too. you know, right. yeah, you know, Tuesday's the day you can sleep in. So it's Thursday because we only practice Monday and Wednesday, Friday in the fall. Right. But, you know, being like, Hey, what, what's, we want to, we want to, we truly say we want to be built to improve and we want to win a national championship year. I I, I bet you kids at other division one schools are getting up at eight o'clock on their off day to, to do extra work too. Right. You know, and if we're not doing it, like they're they're getting an edge on us. Right. Right. And being a little bit more demonstrative and, and kind of saying, you know, not so much calling people out, but demanding people to invest more.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I I yeah. I understand and agree totally. And and it's funny, I mean, like, this is this is such an old man thing to say, but it's totally true, is like at the time it seems uh monotonous and it's a pain to actually do it. But I mean like I would love to be doing that right now, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. I love to wake it's up at eight AM to do a trilogy. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Right. It's such right. a privilege, right. you
1: know, and, um, just, again, you just, uh, you don't realize what a, a tremendous you know, experience you have being able to play division one lacrosse, you know, yeah. and, and like us, where we're at right now, 10, 12 years later, 15 years later, yeah. you get to look back and you have the memories you take with you, but, uh, you go, you look back and think, say, yeah, there's definitely some things I wish I would have done a little, maybe a little differently.
0: Right, right. For sure. Yeah. That, that's why I, I, I always try to ask that question because I think the answers is so interesting, but Um, so let's, uh, so what made you, uh, decide, uh, you wanted to be a coach? Um, you know,
1: uh, I think after my, my first season of not playing in college, um, Mm -hmm. I just missed it so much. I missed the team. I missed the team camaraderie. I I I don't know if I missed playing, I missed playing, but I just really missed being in a a team environment too. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, well, you know. I'm not allowed to play anymore, uh, but, you know, coaching will give me an opportunity to be a part of a program, be part of something, uh, work, you know, a, a group of guys working towards a common goal, um, and I love the sport, you know, um, but, you know, it, it definitely, that was what drew me to it, and then, you know, what's kept me in it, because a lot of people have tried and left, is just, you know, the ability to keep competing, you know, and, uh, and I think that's something that, you know, it's tough to kind of get out of you, you're, right. you know, if you're a competitor, you, you put yourself in positions where you can put yourself on the line. And I think that's what coaching and athletics is. I think that's why it's unique. You know, everyone's right. going to see your flaws um, and you got to be willing to live with that or work hard to to be successful.
0: So. Right. 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 So, uh, your, if I read right, your, your first coaching job, uh, was at Navy prep? Is that correct? Yes, it was Newport, Rhode
1: Island. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, it's not there for like 16 months. <laughs> yeah, it was
0: freezing. <laughs> <laughs> so during that um, during that first coaching job, what were um, what were some of the things that you learned that first year?
1: Oh, a lot. That uh, you know that coaching is probably what you do least. Uh, that's kind of what you learned. Uh, you know, in terms of. You know, I, you know I was the only coach there. I had about twenty kids that were recruited to go to the Naval Academy, and the Naval Academy coaches were you know looking at me to make sure that I could mentor them the right way, right. get them to improve as cross players and then get them to graduate so they could end up going to the Naval Academy after they graduate from naps so it was it was a pretty big responsibility um and you know just learned how to you know like like most jobs I learned how to work um in an office and administrate, you know, and, and doing office work, getting stuff done in terms of, uh, you know, playing their travel, making sure their uniforms are cleaned, making sure they're going to treatment, planning their meals for when we did travel, um, all the logistics. It was just great. I mean, it was, it was a lot of work, but it was kind of like, um, a crash course and, and everything that you need to have for your athlete for, to be successful in practice and games and travel, uh, in, in school, like I was responsible for. Um, right. so it kind of was, it was really good on the fly training. Uh, and then when you're in that kind of military environment, it, it it really just snaps you into being uh, a pretty, pretty locked in kind of person. Cause everyone around you is, and if right, you don't fall right. in, you're going to step in, you're going you know, to stick out like a sore thumb. So, right. um, I thought that was good for me at the time.
0: Right. So that, that first year, um, you know, who, who are some of the coaches that you kind of that you kind of leaned on, Uh, did you, I mean, did you talk to your dad a lot, um, you know, to try to figure things out Um, or, you know, was it the assistant coaches on the team, things like that?
1: Well, when my first year at NAPS, um, I was the only coach. I had to coach offense. I had to coach defense. I had to coach everything. (laughs) Uh, But the the, the Naval Academy coaches talked to me a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Coach Tillman would call me, you know, usually once every week or two weeks to kind of check up on the recruits. And Coach Meade would call me a lot as well and seeing the coach goers, and those guys were, you know, always just asking me what I needed or if I needed any help. Um, and then they wanted to see how their recruits were doing, you know, the kids that were at NAPS. Um, they liked to get updates on those guys as well. Right. So, you know, they, and, and as much as they were getting updates on uh, the kids on the team, I'm sure they were trying to get updates on me make sure I was doing all right as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So, well, so, so were, there, um, were there coaches that you tried to uh, sort of model your coaching style after? Because I mean, I would imagine that that'd be incredibly hard to sort of just be thrown to the wolves, coaching, being the only I, coach on, on a prep team. <laughs> I, I, I just
1: did everything we did at Maryland, because <laughs> uh, it's right. all I knew. And at <laughs> right, the time, right. there, wasn't really a lot of, there wasn't really a lot of film, they're still using DHSs. And, uh, you know, so it wasn't like I could, um, you know, uh, watch film and study up a lot, although I tried to as best I could uh, with the limited resources I have.
0: Gotcha but gotcha. um yeah
1: you know it it was tough
0: right
1: <laughs> so cool. and- but i mean we did our, yeah no but we did i did a lot of things of drills that we did at maryland um and mm-hmm. yeah, i'd call coach coddle who was my college coach as well i right. uh, him for help with man up i I'd call coach mead because i'd never even played man down so i mean i didn't really know much about a five man or four man or, you know any of that stuff right, so right, yeah. i definitely had to lean on some of those guys to help me uh through it.
0: gotcha gotcha and where was the um where was the next move after that did were you uh, after that were you assistant on Navy or did you go to Maryland directly after that?
1: I went to the naval academy um, okay. for uh three years uh, right. three seasons and, uh, that was that was great really enjoyed gotcha
0: it. gotcha and and can you talk about you know maybe some of the lessons you learned um, those three years
1: there's a lot of them um again I think uh, it just comes with the territory of working at an academy they're you know they're They're going to put you to work. And, you know, when I was there, you know, obviously as a full-time coach, but myself and Coach Tillman and Coach Mead, we also taught um, combatives courses for eight hours a week. We had eight classes a week and Coach B would do boxing. Coach Till's would do boxing and like martial arts. I I did wrestling with Coach Goers. Um, So and we had about like two classes a day. Um, and, then, and we had practice every day at four, so you know you weren't getting out of there until around seven. So there were right. some long days. They really kind of built in some good work ethics for you. And uh, all the while, you know, I got to work alongside you know Coach Meade, who's arguably going to be a Hall of Fame coach if he isn't already in some in some right. areas, and, uh, and and then Coach Till's, who you know you you can't can't say enough about in terms of what type of coach he was. So I mean, it was very, I was very fortunate to be thrown in a situation where. I was able to work with those guys every day and, um, you know, we could, couldn't have picked probably a better situation for, for being able to have some good mentors for me.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I, I can't imagine a better situation for a coach to be able to, uh, you know, pretty much right out of college, be able to coach at Navy, um, you know, an historic institution in its own right. And then, you know, the history with coach Meade and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I I know you know we can talk about Maryland and uh, and and lo- your time at Loyola, but um, I want to jump ahead uh, to you know your your first year as uh, as UMBC's head coach. Um, once you were named head coach, what uh, what was your thought process? What what was the goal that you had for the team?
1: Um. The goal, the goal we have for a team, you know, is, you know, we're, we're looking for just constant improvement in all areas, you know, of their life, you know, and a lot of it stems from, you know, trying to give these guys great mentorship and and, and, and great um, guidance off the field, you know, and we, we talk about handling our other 22 hours of the day, not the two hours of practice, because that's fun. Uh, but being good ambassadors for the university, uh, being good ambassadors within the community, Um, and, and, and also being tremendous students. And I feel like in my, you know, time coaching, I've been very fortunate to coach some all Americans, some really talented players. And Mm -hmm. after, you know, five, five years of that, you can start to realize, wow, all these kids share the same traits. They're, they're really locked in mature kids. They get great grades. They, they, so that, that, that improvement button, isn't just exclusive to athletics. It's it's all encompassing. And if right. you yeah, you try and gear your culture and your team to trying to adhere to those rules, and you try to recruit the kids that want to adhere to those rules, hopefully you're going to be starting to foster a culture that's built to improve. Um, and, that, and that's really where we're at
0: right now. Right, right, can, and everything. Can, can you talk a little bit about um, sort of what that looks like in action for you guys? You you say um, you know you're trying to be a mentor the other 22 hours. Um, you know, yeah. the kids are off the field. Um, so what does that mean in action? What, what do you guys, uh, as a coaching staff try to, try to do?
1: Well, we try to be very, <laughs> we try to be intentional. You know, we try and be very clear with, um, what some of our non-negotiables are. And we'll start with academics. You know, we have a hundred percent class attendance policy. And um, we, we hold them to that pretty strict, uh, you know, very strictly, um, uh, e- class checking, uh, reports from teachers, stuff of that. Um, you know, we're very, we, you know, we meet with our support staff and, you know, especially within our academic support too, uh bi mm-hmm. biweekly, uh, we're making sure the kids are, are, are getting their study hall hours are showing up early for their tutors are taking their hats off when they come inside mm-hmm. uh, or, or being respectful to all the people that they come encounter with. Right. Um, and, and it ain't easy. I mean, uh, you know, you got three coaches for 45 guys. It's, right. it's, it's a little bit of a tough ratio there, but, uh, we, 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 we certainly, um, try to do our best with it. And then, um, Also, try and you know create leadership groups within our team to mentor our guys when we're not there as well, because we're not with them all the time too. Yeah, right. So, we try to be intentional with that.
0: Yeah. So, uh, a couple questions. So, um, what what do you? How do you guys handle the situation where um, you know, say, a kid is uh, maybe falling behind in his studies, or you know, missed study hall, or maybe missed a class? Um, What do you guys do? In that situation,
1: well, I mean, uh, a cu- couple of things. Uh, well, we'll start with like if you missed class. We're all class check, and uh, I got uh, a volunteer that I class, I check class with a lot, uh-huh. and um, you know, it's it, it, we don't really catch a lot of guys, but we did uh, my first semester in that fall, uh-huh. we caught some guys, and, and what I would do is. <laughs> Every practice, I'd have them sh- get dressed, have them stretch. I bring it in to kind of talk about what we got going on, mm-hmm. and then I just bring those guys forward and ask them if they went to class, and they'd say no, and then I just send them in. Right. And then um, if they, we had a multiple, if we had it, it didn't happen often, but one or two kids we had multiple times they would missed in a row, and then you know we call home, talk to right. them about that, so we get the parents involved as well. Um, so in that regard, you know, you just got to be, you got to draw a line, to Sam. You got to be really firm. You got to really be consistent with it uh in terms of like kids that are struggling academically we try to do our best job on the front end of being proactive with it you know if Mm -hmm. we got a kid that you know we have some kids we have one kid on our team who's a freshman right now and wants to be a vet you know and some of the the science classes are pretty tough and we know that and Mm -hmm. he's an okay science student well before the semester even started well, we we got him tutors we we know which ones are good tutors for bio and for chem and we've got him tutors already we're not going to wait for him to get a c in the midterm we're going to and then try and We'll, we'll be proactive on the front end with it. Um, right. So,
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And can you talk a little bit about um, what those leadership groups look like with uh, with the players? How are you guys structuring those?
1: Uh, sure. Yeah, it's something that uh, my assistant coach, uh, Jameson Kester, kind of brought over that they used a lot of Ohio State. Um, it's a little bit new to me, but we've been doing it here for the last two years, and Uh, I think it's great. Uh, We kind of have two kids from each grade. Uh, They're voted in by their teammates, and they're kind of the voice for that grade. And I meet with them weekly. I actually met with them today, and uh, we give them an opportunity to air out any grievances they have in terms of things that, you know, that that are kind of bothersome or or causing troubles for them, whether it be on the field, off the field, just so it can get on our radar so we can maybe proactively fix it. And then we kind of bring issues to them with, hey, you know, Here's where we're at season wise, here's what we need of you guys, here's the message we need to be consistently sent into the team. Um, you know, and then we, we also ask are there any kids, you know, who you know, have any issues that maybe we don't know about that we can that we can get in on. You know, kinda like that time when I'm my freshman year and I'm just kinda struggling, but I don't tell anyone, well, right. if you know, someone on the team noticed that, well, maybe they could tell the coaches and the coaches then I I know there's maybe an issue, I can go try and help it. But if I don't know there's there's a problem, it's tough to
0: fix something. Right, right. Makes sense. Makes sense. So, uh, you know, basically a constant improvement. Um, how, has, uh, how has your team basically responded to that goal? Well,
1: you know, I think that, that you know, uh, when I first start, you know, first took the job, um, you know, I think that there was, there was a group of players that were just kind of um, excited for a little bit of a change. Uh, but it is obviously difficult when you're taking over after a home famer right but sometimes change can be good and i think what they like most or what they probably respect most about our approach to what we're doing is you know we're very consistent and we're very organized with what we do with them and uh we don't really go rogue or go off the plan and um you know i think when kids know what the parameters are what the standards are and they're Mm -hmm. demanded to hit those and they have coaches that believe in them and push them to hit them you know it's a lot easier for the kids to buy in uh, and I and I'd like to think that's the type of environment we're we're creating and it's the type of environment my coaches my assistant coaches along with myself and force. Right,
0: right. And I do wanna uh, talk a little bit more about that structure, but um can you can you talk about ha has your goal changed from year one to year two at all or is it is it basically stayed consistent?
1: I think it's stayed consistent to be honest. I, I don't wanna try and overcomplicate things too much, you know. Uh-huh. Um one of the things I kind of try to keep in the back of my head is just having good pace and good control over the program, you know, and, uh, keep it going step improve it. If you're able to have, you know, good pace and control, you're going to improve in all areas. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what we try to do every day. We, we map out our agenda, me as a staff and we talk about ways that we can get better within these different areas as a program and as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go to work with it and, and we're hoping that over a duration of time, um, the, 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 wins and some of the quantitative success are going to follow with it. Um, and that's obviously going from year one to year two. Um, there's not too many, I wouldn't say there's too much of a, uh, you know, a goal of, Oh, well, I want to get this, these may wins or that may wins, but mm-hmm. I, I want to, as you go into year three, four five, I'd like to hopefully think that if we're doing things very right consistently, um, those, those, those jumps will happen
0: right right makes sense makes sense so uh can you walk us through uh a typical in-season practice for you guys sure i'll uh just i'll tell you what we did today yeah. um
1: so today we had at 110 we had a scout team walk through so they went outside on the field in their helmets and gloves just to walk through what mm-hmm. the other team does um, both offensively and defensively things that may be different schematically than what we do right. and we went inside at um at 1.30, I, I led film. I did five minutes of um, some clearing clips, and from there we broke. Uh, defense went to the locker room, offense stayed in the film room, and they had 10 minutes of just some schematic stuff. We watched some film of practice from yesterday. We watched a little bit of film of, <coughs> we watched a little bit of, film of Albany, and then we were out on the field at one fifty. And for right now, at, at, in April, at this time of year, we're, we're looking to go no more than 70 minutes every day. Um, and, you know, being that we're two days away from a game, we were pretty nuts and bolts today, and we stretched. We did positional work. Um, we did a lot. Of, we did riding, clearing, face off. We did some scout sixty six, and we did um, man up. You know, and as the year goes on, um, you got to shrink your time uh, that you're out there because the kids, you know, their, their bodies are starting to wear down. And now, <laughs> you know, we've been going since eight, since uh, January 9th. So mm-hmm. the kids are, you know, over four months in, going about six days a week. So their bodies are starting to get tired. So we're trying, trying to make sure. By Saturday, we still have some juice in those legs,
0: right?
1: And um, you know, you got to limit the more of the exciting drills. You know, as we're getting closer to, to game time, making mm-hmm. sure that uh, <clears throat> we know what we're doing in all those situations. Mm-hmm.
0: Did, did I hear you right? You said seventy minutes? Yeah. An hour and right. ten minutes. So that is uh, I. I don't think I've ever been through a practice that 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 short in my entire time I was in college. Um, we not were to, we, yeah. we were
1: a lot tough, We were a lot tougher back then. Than the yeah, time. that's just the way it
0: is. <laughs> that, that's right. That's got to be it. That's got to be what it is. Um, so <laughs> what? Um, uh, let, let's talk about in, in the beginning of the season. Just uh, I'm curious about um, length, just so people get context. Uh, you know, what is a what's a typical uh, practice like in the beginning of the season when everybody's fresh well we, we're probably looking to go about two hours mm-hmm. you know
1: and um <clears throat> we're trying to kind of enforce some of our uh, full field identities you know for and and you, you've got to evaluate kind of your your, your personnel and and it's what type of team you want to be mm-hmm. for us a lot of our early season opponents were pretty athletic within their short stick defense and midfields and so we wanted to make sure uh part of our culture was um making sure we we were transition defense ready. You know, you're going against Richmond, you're going against Navy. Some of those guys are pre-athletic. They like to push. So, you know, you you gear, you know, a little bit each day towards kind of who maybe your first three opponents with some, some commonality between your first three opponents. Mm -hmm. So that way you're, you're you're prepping for them even before it's that game week. And then you also try and play scrimmages that will kind of maybe simulate and, and have some similar, uh, you know, playing styles as some of the teams that are in your conference to kind of give a little bit of a gauge of, okay, we tried it versus this team and it looked like it was pretty good. So mm-hmm. if we do it versus another team, hopefully it will work. Like we, we play Rutgers and Rutgers likes to run. Uh, they like to play fast. They like to get some transition. <clears throat> Same thing with Albany. Albany is in our league. So you, you try and utilize that, those preseason practices and scrimmages to kind of forge some identities to help you to be successful in some of your early season play.
0: Right. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, you know, during a, uh, I mean, you, you sort of went over this a little bit, uh, with your, with your schedule today, but, uh, during a typical practice, how much is individual work done versus, uh, versus team? Uh, we, we try to, we try to strike a
1: healthy balance. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my assistant coaches will definitely fight for, we call it uh, positional time. We also call it, um, You know, we'll have like a, a a positional segment too, you know, where each coach will have a position and and work with it on one specific area for five minutes. Um, but we, we also are fighting for, you know, spend about close to 20 minutes in positional stick work every day. And, you know, that's more of what I like to say, uh, like the tip of the spear work, you know, Mm -hmm. some of your, your, obviously your, your your stick work fundamentals and your technique dodging and your shooting, um, and defensively your footwork, your approaches, your on-ball defense, you know, your sliding angles, your sliding approaches. Right. Um, so, those are things that like you have to do every day. I feel like you know it's mm-hmm. like um, they're going to be what you emphasize, and you got to emphasize those things every day, right. uh, or else the kids get, get get sloppy with it.
0: Right, right. The film supports that. <laughs> right, <laughs> and and um and so how are you guys as coaches um deciding what drills get done on a on a specific day? Right, is it is it based off of the previous game or is it more based off of the upcoming game?
1: Like we'll, um, it's a little bit of both um, and more so for the upcoming game. But you know how I try to to break it down is like, we'll have a meeting agenda and uh, we'll go into, I'll pull it out because sometimes I'm, you know, we'll go into everything um, that that team is good at. We're like, all right, we'll offensively in between lines and defensively, you know, UMass Lowell. Like, what are they like on offense? What are they good at? What are they, what's unique about them in between the lines, whether it be riding or clearing yeah. the faceoff? Mm-hmm. Defensively, what, what's special to them? And then from there. We'll, we'll have a list of things, and then we try and fill those within our practice plan. We try to fill, okay, well, if they're good at running an offense, and we need a, a good transition defense still to be, make sure we're doing once or twice at least this week to harp on that. Right. And if their goalie is excellent, but there's a couple of shots that we really <laughs> struggles with, we need to make sure we're getting shooting drills, getting those reps, and those guys need to see the, see the goalie there. You know, So right. we kind of every day <clears throat> kind of map out a theme in terms of what we want to cover, being a full-field day or a half-field day. And then uh, kind of formulate some drills. Some drills we have in our bank, you know, we have a lot of drills. And then other drills we need to, you know, tweak or make up something new mm-hmm. to try and keep it fresh and, and also get out of that practice and that drill what we need in terms of prep for the team we're going to be playing.
0: Right, right. And, and so for for each practice, do you, uh, do you make a, a practice plan that's, um, that's down to the minute? Uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, 110, everybody was out on the field. Um, yeah. Yeah. So is that, Yeah. It... go ahead. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Everything is, is timed. We have a, we have a um, scoreboard with a countdown clock for each drill that we're in. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, we're, we're on the clock the whole time. And, and I think I like it as a coach, um, and cause I just think it, it puts more accountability on you too. Like you got, you know, the kids got to show up ready to play, but you got to be ready to teach and right. you got to be organized and you got to be specific and you got to be ready for each next segment that comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta be on the ball and having that clock and having that, you know, making sure, you know, it just gives you a little bit of an edge, keeps you on mm-hmm. your toes, gives you some right. urgency to really coach hard and make sure they're getting the message that you're trying to get through to them.
0: Right. Right. And, and then these, um, in these uh, seventy-minute practices, is is every drill back to back? Yeah,
1: yeah. We go on to the next thing, and at this at this stage in the season, you know, you can the, the the horn will blow. I'll double blow the whistle. I'll say what we're in next, and the kids will kind of snap into it and into their colors or into their positions or spots in the field where they where we're going right. to
0: go. Okay, and, and and just curious, are are you sharing that practice plan with the team? Do they get to see it before they head out on the field?
1: Um, We don't. Um, I wouldn't actually be opposed to that if they asked to see it. We just don't really. For some reason or another, we don't post it.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, So can you talk about how you guys, uh, you know, with your players, how do you guys prepare for upcoming opponents? (laughs) Um, With our players? Well, we try to um, give them –
1: we, we, we definitely give them game plans. You know, um, we are doing film every week. Um, we have scouting reports for them every Tuesday. We have game plan sheets every Wednesday. Uh, we have small group meetings throughout the day before we do our, our team film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think there's just so much technology around right now <laughs> with, with the film. And it's so easy to get film and access it and cut it down and, and upload it for kids to see all the time that, you know, there's no shortage of opportunity to be, be preparing whether it be on the field or off the field watching the film stuff. You know? Right. So right.
0: we we certainly try to leave no stone unturned in that regard. Right. Right. And when you guys are going over, um, film with your players, is it mostly, um, you know, larger tendencies of a team or are you doing a lot of, uh, individual look where, uh, you know, if, if number 10 is going to guard number 42, you want to, you want to have, you know, number 42 focus on that matchup. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a
1: mixture of both, you know. And I think it, it, it kind of varies. Like for teams that <clears throat> maybe are a little bit slow to go in terms of at least from an offensive standpoint, you know, teams that are a little bit slower to slide, you know, and they they, they rely a little bit more heavily on winning one-on-one of matchups. Well, then you're probably going to have to, you know, identify some weaknesses within those guys on ball, whether it be mm-hmm. an area of the field they struggled, they, an area of the field they struggled to defend in, or <clears throat> or a certain move they they struggle with. And mm-hmm. if it's more schematic where they're sliding, well, I think, you know, then you're going to watch a little bit more. You're definitely going to get a little bit more into the schematics of it in terms of, okay, will they slide from the crease or they look to slide more adjacent, um, you know, and, and kind of making sure the kids, my my biggest teaching point with the guys is when you have the ball, what are your looks? You know, do you know mm-hmm. what you're looking for? And if you know what you're looking for, it's easier to make that read and make that feed. And some kids are just really good and you don't really have to, to coach them at it, you know, like a kid like right. Pat Spencer. But other kids you know you, you kind of you know they, they need to know what what they what what should happen if they draw slides and what you should do with the ball and what your options are so right, um, right. You know, seeing that on film I think really helps the kids more so than you know live time or even walking through on the field
0: gotcha so, so that that's when you're having that conversation when you guys are looking over film basically like where where are your yeah. looks? yeah. Gotcha. Absolutely,
1: and it's very much like a classroom setting. I, I, I'll, I'll usually ask, like, "Hey, raise your hand." You know, the answer, or I'll call on someone that I know uh, needs to know it, and maybe doesn't. So that way, get them locked in. And we try to use those those uh, film segments, not so much as entertainment, but more so as you know, the kids are in there. We have we have our playbook. They have their pens. They're taking notes. Right. Um, you right. know, it's very much a, about a, a ten minute class. You know, because mm-hmm. anything after ten minutes, sometimes they're not. Not retaining it,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> and, uh, and 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 so I'm just curious how uh, you know. So again, stay with the where's your looks? Is it um, you know, is the video going up to the say the beginning of a play and then you're pausing it and saying you know, yeah, hey, yeah, gotcha. Just saying, hey, yeah, hey go, Gio, where's know, your looks here?
1: Exactly, and go. Okay, well, we got we got him to slide. Mm-hmm. You know, if we get him to slide you know, where, where, should you be looking inside through or back pipe, or if they're filling down heavy from the top guy, you mm-hmm. know, what should you be saying if you're that follow, you know, to, to kind of enhance everyone understanding how the offense should work. And, right. uh, I've always felt like offenses that really bought into learning, you know, what, how defenses play and why we're doing what we're doing right. um, play the best. I totally Instead agree. Of, you know, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Instead of having that kid, is like, well, I'm just going to go out there and just run by and try and figure it out, like club lacrosse. Well, right. that's why club lacrosse isn't very pretty most of the time.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 I always say this when it's brought up, but I, I honestly I, – I believe one of the most helpful things that I did uh, – we did it a little bit in college and, and a few times, like summer league in high school, but um, whenever I uh, picked up a long pole or played defense – um, and like really paid attention to like the slide packages and what a second slide is, mm-hmm. what a third slide is. once I learned that, mm-hmm. that gave me such a different perspective um, as when I moved back to attack, I, you know I can start thinking like, well, here's how the defense is gonna move it really it really shifted my perspective a lot as a player,
1: yeah, absolutely
0: absolutely right. Right. definitely so so i'm I'm curious, uh, how do you as you know I, there, the players prepare. You know, the assistant coaches prepare. How do How do you, as a head coach, prepare for an upcoming opponent? What What are you looking at, and how How are you thinking about what's going to happen during game day?
1: Um, you know, I, I try to work from the middle of the field out. So I try to look at okay. Um, you know, I in this day and age, it's <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I start right with the face offs. You know, it, it's it's very pivotal it's going to give us opportunities to score and it's the best defense we have. So mm-hmm. um, how do we, you know, try and win that battle in the middle of the field. And then I'll usually transition into, okay, when we, if we, when we do get stops, how are we going to make sure we clear to give our offense opportunities? And then if right. we don't score, how can we try and ride to get the ball back without right. them getting an opportunity from it? You know? And so I, I really focus on a lot of the full field concepts and allow my assistant coaches early in the week to focus more on the half field, more of the six on six stuff and the Mm -hmm. uh, man up, man down stuff. And then, you know, as I'm watching the film and making, you know, my my, uh, notes on terms of what we need to do, if it's, you know, at this state, at this stage in the season, you know, most of the things that you've seen uh, in terms of a style of clear or a style of ride. So, you know, you can draw back to the kids on, on previous games. Um, And after that, you know, I definitely start honing in on the offense and then uh, watching them And the defense, you know. I mean, after our game ends, my busiest time of the week is usually right after our game ends, and that Sunday and that and that Monday morning, because I'm trying to to get through about at least five games worth of film. Um, Right. And and sometimes it's easy, but you know, it's it's like anything. You feel so much better after. You you understand who your opponent is. You kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, someone asks you a question about him, you know him. It's like it's like studying for a test. You know, and, uh, and, you know, I'd say that with the guys and the staff too. It's like, you know, when you go, you have a test, a midterm and you're prepared and you've done the work and you know the material inside and <laughs> out, you're, you're confident. And that's right. the way you want to be come the earlier in the week. You can feel that way, the better you're going to be. And I think the better you're going to coach, you know, you don't want to wait right. till Wednesday to figure out that they do something, you know, specific that you haven't seen. By that time, right. you're not right. going to be able to coach your kids well enough for them to be prepared. Right. You know, you got to get some of the different nuances with the, the different opponents earlier in the week. Right. Um, so, and and, and,
0: and yeah. what, uh, so when you are, um, when you are, uh, you know, on Sunday and Monday morning, when you are reviewing that film, is that all, mm-hmm. uh, is that all upcoming opponent or are you also reviewing the game film from the, from your previous game to review yourself and the team? Uh,
1: definitely previous game too, you know, but you yeah. lived that, you kind of know, you, you know, you're obviously going to rewatch it. Um, and I do rewatch it. Um, we spend a lot of time on Monday on the game that we played. And then that way, you know, <clears throat> when you're done with that, you know, watching all the other film too. So when, when Tuesday comes,
0: you can start really
1: kind of delving into your opponent.
0: Right. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I do want to ask a couple of questions, um, about recruiting. Um, you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, uh, that, uh, you know, Things have changed, uh, you know, and everybody knows that they have. Um, How do you recommend uh, young players uh, get noticed? How do they stand out, um, you know, sort of uh, in uh, in, an incredibly competitive uh, recruiting landscape?
1: Uh, I don't think it's a perfect science show, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in terms of there's a lot of events. There's a lot of uh, things you can do, you know, playing high school, playing club, going to camps, going to prospect camps. There's no shortage of opportunities to try and be seen. Um, so I, I think it's, you know, so you, you can be seen. I think it's what you do uh, while you're being seen. And, and I think, you know, um, Big thing for me is, is consistency within play, you know, and I'll watch a kid once and I'll get them on the phone. But when I'll talk, when I get them on the phone, I'll, I'll ask them, how much have you played lacrosse in your life? If you quantify it and um, <clears throat> they'll probably say like, you know, hundreds of hours and I'll be like, well, I've seen 20 minutes. Right. So I just need to see more, you know, <laughs> I, I need, I need a greater sample size of consistency. Like you blew it up today and you were awesome. Yeah. If you do that one or two more times, then that's kind of a, a positive trend that, yeah, you're really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's tough to just very few kids. Can you just see one time and be like, that's my guy. I got him. Right. It's done. Right. You know, so I, I think, uh, you just gotta be patient with it too. You know, and there's a lot, with a lot of events, it's hard for all the coaches to be everywhere. So you gotta be patient. Um, and you gotta be realistic. And I think that's where club lacrosse and <clears throat> high school coaches can, can, uh, intervene as well in terms of where they feel your level of play is at. Mm-hmm. If, if it's not to the level, you don't have to take that answer. But it only means that, you know, you're going to start investing probably a little bit more than you have. Um, right, right. So and if that's what your goal is, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And and in that situation where uh, you've only seen a kid for 20 minutes, um, does, you know, does him sending you video or highlight reels or anything like that, does, does that help? Would that be a next step um, to sort of getting, you know, getting you more looks?
1: Usually it starts with a highlight. I'll get tons of e- a lot of emails, and there'll always be there'll usually be a link, and I I like clicking on the links, um, and, mm. and I do click on pretty much every every link that I get, mm. and um, if a kid stands out pretty well, I'll one hundred percent try and follow up as best I can with right. watching him play live, you know, right. um, mm. so, you know.
0: gotcha, gotcha. Um, so final question before the uh, the last question I've asked everyone, um, if you were um, you know, hypothetically, no recruiting violations here, but if you were, uh, talking to a kid who is hoping to play for UNBC, um, what would you tell him? What, what advice and what steps would you tell him to, uh, uh, you know, to, to make it to UMBC?
1: Um, I, I would, the things that I tell him, are things that we look for in recruits, I, I think would just, you know, obviously, um. Being an academically competitive kid, I think uh, competitiveness is a button that you really just can't be selective with. Um, So, you know, getting good grades, whether you love school or not, has to be important to you. Mm -hmm. And I I also encourage the kids to be multi-sport kids. We talk a lot about um, having poise and having situational awareness and having IQ, you know, and how do you develop those things? How do you get those things? And I think you get it by participating in sports, not just lacrosse, but other sports, you know. And if you are a kid that's a quarterback, he's a point guard and you play lacrosse, well, you know, throughout the year, you're getting put in positions where you have to exhibit situational awareness, uh, where you have to exhibit poise, where you have to have IQ, where you have to dissect a situation within an athletic environment and make a decision. Um, if you're only playing one sport, well, you're really only getting one opportunity to do that, and you're really not developing yourself the best you can. If you're playing right. multiple sports; it's really going to help you with your IQ and with your poise and situational awareness, which are intangible qualities that are that are hard that are harder than you think to, to develop at this right. level. Yeah, I totally
0: agree. Totally agree. Um, well, listen, uh, you know, I, I want to let you go. I don't want to te- uh, keep you too much longer, but there's one question I've asked everybody who's come on the show. Um, what are three things that, uh, everybody should be doing every day to get better at whatever it is they do? It doesn't have to be just lacrosse.
1: Uh, I think just be consistent, um, you know, in, in terms of your approach, uh, and, and be intentional, you know, be realistic in terms of what do I need to do? What am I, what am I, what am I deficient in? What, What can I get better in? And then, um, also listen, be a good listener. You know, I think that's a, a quality that's really difficult, uh, to develop, uh, unless you're, you're, you're trying to it, you know, everyone is so quick to cut people off when they talk or get their point of view across. <clears throat> and, uh, I think it takes a lot of skill, um, to listen and, and take direction and take feedback and criticism
0: sometimes. Right, right. Yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Um, well, listen, coach Moran, this was, this was great. I'm really happy you took the time. Thanks for, for having you on. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure... That we can do a whole another podcast about your playing career, but um, wanted to focus on the coaching <laughs> no, this can't. time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, maybe we'll get you back on and we can talk about uh, we can talk about maybe the uh, the Saint Anthony's Shamanade uh, game. What was it? My freshman year and your your senior year. What was that? It was like four overtimes, four or five overtimes. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, that was miserable. That was my junior year. That was a tough day. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was your that junior year. To tough day to be a flyer.
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, we had a lot of good games against each other. But um, but listen, I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on. This was great. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk again. All
1: right, Joe. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, bud.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast. I'm your host, Joe Iovoli. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Iovoli. You can find more episodes of the Game Changer Lacrosse podcast on The Season at theseason.gc.com. If you like the podcast, please take a second to give it a positive review on iTunes. This helps more people find the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GC Sports. And if you're a coach, a parent, or you run a travel or club team, check out game changer team manager in the app store it's an essential all-in-one scheduling and communication app for lacrosse coaches and parents game changer team manager is free it's easy to use and it doesn't serve ads learn more at gc.com forward slash team manager until next time keep working and keep getting better